Welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from best-selling author, speaker, and coach Lisa Jones, as she has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, you'll hear about Lisa's journey in finding financial freedom, as well as learn about common struggles in marriage and finances, and how to prepare your finances when you are single. Hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm just going to go ahead and get started. But Lisa, welcome to the podcast. It is so fun to have you with me today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. This is just, I love doing these. So thank you for the invite. Absolutely. And we gave a little bit of an intro to who you are an introduction in the beginning of the podcast here. But for people who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? We can just start there. Oh, wow. I am a lover of Jesus Christ. That is (laughs) first and foremost, um, how I define myself. Um, I'm a wife. Um, I'm a stepmom who goes by the title Miss Lisa. Um, and I am just passionate about marriage, good marriage and good money, you know, um, (laughs) because let's just be honest. Many of us don't have either of those and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and so I'm a number one bestselling author, um, speaker coach. Um, and I've honestly been coaching in one variety or another for the last 20 plus years. So it's just really, really exciting to be able to help others along. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted, before we jump into these questions that I have for you, just to give a little background for the people listening of how I knew you and how I have, why I reached out. And so you were connected with my mom a little Mm -hmm. bit and she recommended your devotional financial seasons. And I was like, I have never done a financial devotional before. Like I've never even, I think seen one and it was something that I was like, I've got finances. I'm, I'm fine, whatever. And, you know, don't we all say that, right? Yes. But and it also had a companion journal with it mm-hmm. as well. And so I kind of just started to start, you know, slowly going through that. And what really stuck out to me right away was the fact of how your stories, because it's a daily devotional and you kind of share a little bit of a story of who you are, something that you experienced and giving encouragement within that. And I found a level of compassion Mm. in it. And I was thinking of what word it was all day today as I was prepping Mm. for this, of what it was. It was this level of compassion and empathy you had for people who have also made financial mistakes and who struggle with budgeting and who get it right, but then immediately mess up again in the future. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Just for me, what was so... I just captivating by that is because so many other financial coaches I've listened to or people, there hasn't been that level of empathy and it's, Mm -hmm. well, you just do it, you know, just, Mm -hmm. just do it. And, and it's hard. We're humans. We have desires where I really want to go to that Hawaii trip with my friends, or I want that coat that I've been saving up for, you know, something along those lines. And 
And so that was something that just really stuck out to me. And I started going through it. And in just this last year, I think so many people have experienced financial hardships just coming out of COVID. You know, people lost their jobs. You have to rebudget, refinance, redo things. And so for me, it was such a good tool to utilize for reflection and encouragement and just, yeah, practical advice. And so that is why I reached out to you and said, hey, you know, (laughs) We, I would love to have you on the podcast and to talk about this because I think so many people could also really benefit yeah. in, in this. And we're going to talk a lot about marriage today and finances, but it also relates so, so much to single Absolutely. people or people yep. who are single wanting to be married, you know, planning right. for the Absolutely. Yeah. And I was 43 when I got married, McKelty. So, and that was my first time getting married. So, and I don't, you know, I say that we've been married, this is year, what, 11. Um, And so I am very mindful of the single person because most of my adult life was spent as a single person. So I, I'm always thinking about that single person. So yeah, we're going to talk today a lot about marriage, but every single principle that's in financial seasons and all of our coaching is designed for anyone, not just a couple. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to give that history for the people listening of, you know, what it was that really drew me to this devotional, but what inspired you to write it? You know, kind of going back from the beginning, what made you really want to dig into your finances to figure this out and to become a financial coach? I didn't want to. (laughs) I came into this kicking and screaming all the way. Oh, my gosh. Um, So the first thing was I there's actually a day in the devotional. I don't remember what day it is. It's before day 50. Actually, no, it's right around between 50 and 60 because Keith shows up. My husband shows up in the devotional on day 50. And so between day 50 and 60, he and I are having a conversation about who's going to be the primary manager of the money. And I just knew Mm -hmm. that my husband was going to manage the money. And I prayed for a husband who prayed and that bit me (laughs) Uh, because he prayed and he felt the Lord leading um, him to the decision that I should be the one to manage the money. And I was terrified. Um, and I realize now hindsight is always 2020. Um, but I realize now that I needed to be the one to be the primary budgeteer because of my fear of money and my fear of, you know, doing it wrong. And just, I had so many just anxieties around money. Um, and so add to that all of the debt and all of the medical bills and all of the just life that we had to experience um, as a new couple, you know, blended family, 19 lines of payments going out the first month that we got married, all of that stuff. And I was overwhelmed. And I looked for a devotional about money and I couldn't find one. Mm. And the Lord just said, I need you to write it. And I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to put my dirty financial laundry out on paper for people to critique and, you know, judge me. You know, we are such a judgmental society, but I just knew he was calling me to this work. And I 
did not want to be disobedient more than I didn't want to be anything else. So um, Financial Seasons was written um, as therapy for me um, because we were so deep in the midst of our debt when I started writing. Um, but it truly was an assignment for the Lord, from the Lord because there's no way I would have done it if he had not called me to do it. And I'd never written anything. So other than my journal entry. So this was not, you know, on my bucket list was never be a writer, be an author. That was never my desire or my intent. So this truly was an assignment that I had to fulfill. Truly. Mm, I love that. I yeah. love that. And I'm so glad you did. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, you you mentioned something and I was, my mind just started going from that. Why do you think that we are such a society where specifically around finances, like we don't like to share our finances to other people. Like we don't like to talk about it. There's kind of like secrecy and sometimes shame, you know, if you're Absolutely. really in debt. Lots of shame. And I've noticed that in my personal life and only recently I'm like, why don't I talk to my friend? Like if we're going through a hard financial like moment, why aren't, why aren't consulting with them on that and talking through it? But why do you think that is? I think it goes back to Adam and Eve. It's the root of sin. Um, and, you know, sex and money have always had such really harsh connotations. Um, I remember a friend Many, many years ago, decades ago, she was a virgin when she got married, um, but she had a hard time then becoming sexually excited because she had worked so hard to not be sexually excited, you know, um, and that was a really hard season for her. And I think for us, there's so much um, have and have nots around money. Um, and you know, those who are very comfortable with money, they don't even think about it. Um, and that's sometimes to their detriment, they don't understand where it came from or, you know, what the work <laughs> needs to be to, um, get it and keep it and all of those things, because it's been so plentiful for them. Um, and then there are others that are just, you know, I remember reading an article about a multi-billionaire who grew up with dirt floors and he mm. was terrified that one day he would live in a house with dirt floors again, mm. you know? And so it's just, it's rooted, I think, in such deep emotion that we don't always understand the impact that it has. Um, and we don't even realize that there's work to be done with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I just feel like for most of us, um, the shame, the secrecy, all of those things come from the fact that we aren't comfortable with it, you know, and we don't understand it. And we, we just don't, we don't know what to do with it. You know, yeah. it's not, I mean, think about it. We don't teach personal finance in, in our, in our school systems, not to a great degree. Right. So it's no, not, not what we should be. <laughs> right. It's not something that has a healthy mindset around it in our communities. So we then don't have a healthy mindset around it, you know? Yeah. 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 And then when you already have complications or conflicting yes. feelings, then it's like, hey, how about you get married? And both Ooh. of you <laughs> put that together <laughs> and try to figure it out. And that oh adds my a gosh. Whole layer. Oh so my gosh. 
you know, how do you feel that finances impacts marriage? I know that's such a loaded question, but what are your initial thoughts about that? (laughs) So I want to set up that response by stating again that I am a Christian and I've been struggling with this framework probably most of 20, most of the last year. Let's do that. Okay. And I've heard this disclaimer many times and I've begun to use this disclaimer in my own coaching. Um, When Keith and I are coaching couples, when I'm posting on social media, things of that nature, um, I send out a newsletter once a week for everyone. And then Keith and I send out another newsletter on Mondays for married couples. And we've started using this language. Our point of view is based on the fact that we want to live our lives the way the Lord has called us to. Okay. So I'm going to answer that question and all other questions through that lens. If you are not saved, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what I'm about to say, it doesn't apply to you unless you want it to. But if you are saved, if you do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is how he has called us to live our life. So I I have to put that disclaimer out there. And that then is a segue into Genesis 2.24. God has called us in Genesis 2.24 to leave our uh, father and mother and cleave unto our spouse. And that means everything has to come together. It's all together. And when we come together and when we recognize the importance of finding our way to the same page, we at least then are at the same starting point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is incredibly important um, that we get to the same page. And when we are doing uh, coaching with married couples, that's the first thing that we talk about is your money combined, because Mm -hmm. if your money isn't combined, that's a whole we got to go back and do some, you know, some prerequisite work, (laughs) you know, to get us to the starting line, you know, very, very important. So. Um, So I feel like that is the starting point for beauty in marriage uh, as it relates to finances. I also believe that we must manage our expectations. And in so many instances, Keith and I actually call this the uh, working through the family scratch. So we each have our own set of beliefs, our belief system that we bring into our marriage. And we don't always think about the fact that that belief system doesn't necessarily align with our spouse's belief system. Mm. So let's, let me give you an example. Um, Keith grew up on welfare in the inner city of St. Louis. Um, When he took me to St. Louis for the first time, I was like, show me your family home. And he was like, what family home? We moved like twice a year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, so they didn't have Mm -hmm. a family home, right? Um, And so I grew up on a farm in rural South Carolina, where once you get past the church, everybody is related and they don't move. They live in the same house for decades. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they die and then another family member (laughs) moves Mm -hmm. into the house, you know, so there are lots of family homes. Right. And so this idea around us even owning a home, he didn't really see the value in owning a home. Whereas to me, that was foundational in setting up our future together because of how we grew up. 
You know, um, I had stability in housing. He didn't. So he was much more fluid as it related to moving and adjusting and things like that. Whereas I was in the set it and forget it mode, you know, get the mm. house, don't move, you know. Um, and so we we have to get to a place where we can get our expectations uh, uh, verbalized so that we we both as a couple can then figure out what to do with them. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, another example um, is toilet paper, you know, or uh, toothpaste or mayonnaise or things like that, where Keith gets down to the bottom of those things and he's ready to throw those out, you know? And I'm like, whoa, 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 we got more. You know, know, there's two more teaspoons of mayo in that jar. You know, it's like I I can have two more tinkles with that toilet paper, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he is like, I grew up on crumbs. I'm not interested in crumbs, you know. Mm -hmm. Crumbs aren't an issue for me. So one of the Mm -hmm. ways that we've worked through that, because to me, that was money thrown away, right? Mm -hmm. And so to him, it was freedom in the ability to buy more. Two different sides of the same street. So Mm -hmm. when he's done with it, he passes it on to me. And then I squeeze the tube of toothpaste until it's completely done sometimes cutting the end off the other sides <laughs> yeah. so I can get all of it out because to mm-hmm. me that's money that's wasted and it gives him the flexibility of not having to have be triggered by the end of the roll of toilet paper you know so yeah that's something that's seemingly small that we had to work through in the very beginning of our marriage in order to have both of us be comfortable with our family scratch and and the, yeah. the, that belief system that we brought into our marriage. Hey, single moms, you're invited to be part of the 2023 Single Moms Retreat on June 2nd and 3rd at Lake Geneva Christian Center in Alexandria, Minnesota. Join with other single moms from across the Midwest to relax, refresh, have fun, and be encouraged. Enjoy main sessions with Jennifer Maggio, Rebecca Hagen, Nick Gray, and worship with Reba Gray, multiple breakout sessions, as well as incredible giveaways like our Diva Boutique personal shopping experience, a spa, car care, haircuts, professional headshot photos, a one-mile walk or 5K run rollerblade or bike, the Girlfriend's Night Out Party with a special performance by music artist True Serva, and more. Our hope is for every attendee to feel extravagantly loved, seen, and encouraged on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. We also have lots of fun opportunities to volunteer, including for men to join the car care team. Invite your family, friends, or church small group to come and serve with us. Register to attend, volunteer, or donate at mnbtg.org slash retreat. That's mnbtg.org slash retreat. We'll see you there. I appreciate all those examples because I think a lot of people are listening and can relate to that. Yeah. Of You're bringing two different ways of doing things, Absolutely. two different values and merging them together. I know when my husband and I got married and still to this day, I'm like you, I do not like wasting anything. Like I just, I don't know where it comes from or anything like that, but I don't like wasting it. And he won't even do leftovers. Like he would leave a whole meal just like, man, I don't want to eat it. I'm not going to. And for me of that, 
value that I brought is I meal plan and I grocery shop based on what we have that we have to use up. And so it it was just this weird, this weird, Mm -hmm. I don't know, thing that we had going on. But I, I think that there's a lot of areas of different areas that couples can mm-hmm. fight over Absolutely. for lack of a better word yep. with money. And I think for me and my husband and what I've heard from a lot of other of our couple friends, it's, you know, those maybe initial stages of marriage where you're like, okay, I'm realizing you're a spender. I'm a saver. You know, Absolutely. I, I realizing that you maybe see more money and putting it into stocks when I'm like, wait, but we need it right now. And mm-hmm. the, all of it. So I'm just curious in your experience in coaching these couples, what are common tension points that you have seen for a majority of couples that are pretty common? All of those that you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, eating out is another one. Um, and this need to mm. be entertained. Um, I don't want to give mm. up my entertainment. Um, and that could be eating out with friends for lunch. Um, your separate entertainment. You know, we see a lot of golfers. Um, ah, we had one couple where she was a little bit more vain than I had mm. ever experienced. I'm just going to say, mm. and mm-hmm. she was not interested in giving up her Botox injections, mm. you know? And so, you know, I, 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 we try not to judge, you know, but at the end of the day, what we tell couples is this is not the budget for Keith and Lisa. Mm. This is the budget for Mr. and Mrs. coaching couple, you know, yeah. So yeah. you guys have to figure out what that is and just recognize that there is a finite amount of money. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we help you to identify all of the things that need to be budgeted, things you may not mm-hmm. be thinking of, um, helping you wrap your mind around things that are coming in the future, things of that nature. And then we encourage you to figure out the rest of it based on a finite number. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we did that, even when we were deeply in debt, because my husband had this savior complex where he wanted to be able to be there for all of his family members when they were in dire Mm -hmm. straits. Mm. And I'm like, dude, we got 19 lines of payments going out and you want to pay somebody else's bills? Ah, ah." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we put it in the budget. We actually created a line item because it was something he was so passionate about. And so we put it in the budget and the way we set it up was once this amount is gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then, you know, and, and it was so interesting because that first time we did that, I'm like, OK, so how much would you like to put in this envelope? He came up with this grandiose number and <laughs> our budget was like negative eight hundred dollars, you know, and I'm like, OK, so that doesn't work, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it was he he was the one who had to see the numbers, make mm-hmm. the adjustments on paper and figure out, you know, and so I was like, okay, so we can't, our cars are older. We need a car repair envelope. Okay. So how much do you want to remove from these envelopes in order to make it available for your family? And we found our way 
down to a number that we both felt comfortable with. But that first conversation literally took like 45 minutes to get to that Mm -hmm. number, you know, but it gave him an opportunity to do the things that he felt he had to do. Mm-hmm. And it still protected the integrity of the budget. So whatever that mm-hmm. theme is, um, we coached a couple a few months ago. Actually, it was about a year ago now. Um, and he was big into pool. So he played pool mm-hmm. tournaments and things of that nature. And she was a stay-at-home mom. And she didn't want to, She she was doing the budget. And so she saw all the numbers and she didn't want any fun money whatsoever because she felt like he had too much fun money and the number, their budget was just really, really tight. So she was like, you know what? I'm just going to not do any fun money. And we're like, no, that doesn't work because you're going to end up bitter with at, towards him because he's having fun. You know, and you're not and you're going to feel like the adult and you're going to think he's the child. And so that's not going to work. And so he bristled at that a little bit because in order for her to get fun money, he had to cut down his pool from Mm -hmm. three nights a week to one night a week. Yikes. (laughs) But that was that was the only way to, you know, and then they had to figure out what. And so we just sat there and helped them figure out what the conversation needed to be, but what the solution was, was something that Mm -hmm. they had to come to terms with. Yeah. I like that. Cause I feel like that's a huge thing with budgeting is people all of a sudden think of this like scarcity mindset. Absolutely. Um, Okay. We can't do anything we wanted to do to cut out entertainment. Fine. And it's not necessarily being cutting everything out, but it's redirecting. Like you said, like, okay, how do we just redirect this? The perfect, you know, and if that's something your husband was passionate about is having money to help, then, okay, we're going to still do that. But then we got to figure out a realistic way to do it. I think that's a great mindset to have. And we call that working through the spirit of lack. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, it, it's a real thing for us um, because we had to do it and we've helped countless couples and individuals do the same thing. Um, Our daughter, I love this story. um, This was just a couple of years ago. And uh, we had gone to Dallas uh, for a weekend. So she was in college. She flew in to join us. So we hadn't seen her in a while. Um, And so it was July. And I looked down and she had these gorgeous pair of sandals. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, those are pretty. And she was like, oh, I saved for months. I picked out exactly what I wanted. She was like, they are expensive. I'm like, I can tell they are expensive, you know? (laughs) And she said, but I just saved and I knew I, you know, I would wear them for years and years to come. And I just felt like, what a great example of what budgeting should be like, you know? She didn't waste her money on McDonald's, right? She wanted the meal, the fine dining experience with table linens, you know, and crystal yeah. goblets, you know? So it, it it doesn't have to be this scarcity mentality. It really is about this is what I can do, not this is what I can't do. And when mm-hmm. we shift that perspective, you know, it it really does change how we approach what we do with our money. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it just seems like you have to have so much communication and honesty Absolutely. to power through it. And someone like me, who is like, I will avoid conflict if, you know, mm-hmm. to all, <laughs> to every avenue I can, I don't want to do it. And so much of the first few years of marriage, it was seeing things. I'm like, Oh, I don't, ooh, I don't like this. We should be doing this, but I'm not going to say anything. And mm. I think other people could probably relate because you're like, I don't want to have a fight. I don't want right. to tell them how right. they can spend their money. And right. for someone right. like me, who I am also, you know, stay at home mom, I'm not making money. And so it's you like, are it making really- money. you <laughs> are making money. You are making, that is huge. McKelty. It is huge. Because if you didn't do what you did, you would have to pay someone to do it to the tune of somewhere between 40 and $80,000. That's mm, the value that's that you're bringing to your family. That's 40 true. to $80,000 worth of value is what you're bringing to your family. And I'm just mm. going to say, if you don't have life insurance on McKelty in the amount of forty to $80,000, <laughs> we need to get that immediately. I've never heard that perspective of, because you have to pay for childcare. You have to do all and of these a cook things. And someone who cleans yeah. and someone who runs errands. I read an article a couple of months ago, and there are two doctors in Kansas City, actually. It was a national article, but it happened to take place in Kansas City. And they had a house manager. And mm. they paid her $50,000 a year to manage the house. And she mm. didn't babysit. Mm. She just managed the house. Wow. wow. Hmm. So she coordinated the babysitters. She coordinated all of the, um, the field trips and everything else associated with the kids. She coordinated all of the repair services. She coordinated laundry and grocery shopping and all of those things. And they paid her because they were both two uh, high earning doctors who I think one was like a ER doc, weird schedules mm. and that sort of thing. And the other one, you know, they both had very, very demanding jobs and they had like either two or three kids and they literally paid someone to run their house. Wow. So the value wow. of you as a stay at home mom is no less than 40,000 a year. That's mm. the value that you bring to your family. That's a very freeing concept Absolutely. that I think and I hope that women who are listening who might struggle with that Absolutely. take away because things that I've heard and have experienced, it's that the, the frustration or more so fear of, okay, well, you go to work, you bring actual money and income home and I don't. So it doesn't feel in a lot of ways like it's your money. It but your if you money. go back to the concept of Absolutely. your money is supposed to be combined. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you, okay. So we have, all of our accounts are combined. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all of our money goes into all of the accounts. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not, we don't do this yours, mine and our thing. That is the world's way of approaching marital money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everything goes in. We both have eyes in financial infidelity is a real deal. And when Mm. you start hiding things from your spouse, when you start, if you have accounts that are open that your spouse doesn't know about, if you're making purchases that they don't know about, 
if you are, you know, changing the address on deliveries and all of that is financial infidelity and it erodes trust in your marriage faster than anything other than physical infidelity, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a real deal. So if we look at it for, through the lens of this is how Genesis 2.24, everything that we do goes into one bucket. So your work inside of the house and your husband's work outside of the house go into the same bucket. Mm. It's all included. So he's not bringing in his money. He's bringing in your money. Mm. You know, and so because he's bringing in your money, you, the two of you, get a say in how that money is then spent. He does Mm. not make the decisions about money without you because you have a voice in your financial life because Mm. you're the wife in that marriage. Mm. Very important. I really hope it's sinking in to our listeners right now yeah. that who could be really struggling Absolutely. with that concept because yep. that is definitely some powerful and encouraging stuff for and, sure. And so we had uh, lunch with friends a couple of months ago and he had, they both had just gotten new jobs and she was very excited because for the first time in their marriage, and they've been married for 20 something years, he made more money than she did. Mm. And it had always bothered her that he didn't make more money than she did. Mm. Now he could care less because he was like, it all goes, they live a Genesis mm. 224 life. So he's like, it's just, it, it's all in the bucket. Mm. But for her, she, there was a moment of pride to be able to say, my husband makes more than me. And, Mm. you know, I, and I told her, I said, you're really going to have to pray through that because it has nothing to do with how much each person contributes. It has everything to do with how you as a couple choose to use the contribution, Mm. you know? And so the same Mm. is, so that's a different perspective, a a different uh, facet of the same situation. You know, she's struggling because she wants her man to care for her when the reality is we're team. This is team Jones, you know, your team Blum, we're team, you know, so, and there is no I in team. We work together. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that we tell our couples all the time is marriage is the most selfless thing that you will ever do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we are in this together. Truly, we are. And for the guys out there, if Keith were sitting next to me, your manhood is not in jeopardy if your wife makes more than you. You know, Mm -hmm. your manhood is not in jeopardy because you choose to have a partner, you know, um, it, it, you are loving your wife as Christ loves the church by having this dialogue with her, you know, the way God called us to as Christian couples. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And what does it mean to have financial synergy with each other? Oh, I love that. So when we teach about synergy and we talk about, we have a whole module on synergy in our fight for your marriage masterclass. Um, And so 
I, you know, Keith always says game recognized game. You know, we can spot <laughs> things in the couples that we coach because we've done it ourselves. Um, we have maybe worked to uh, limit that mindset in our own marriage, things of that nature. And so Keith, I'm his second wife. I mentioned that we're a blended family. Um, and so he wasn't sour on marriage. He wanted to get married again. He and his first wife did not manage their money together. So he, but that didn't work, you know? So he was open mm -hmm. to doing things differently. As I mentioned earlier, I was 43 when we got married. So I had been single my entire life. And I brought that single-mindedness into our marriage and that was tough. So it was really difficult for me to not be single-minded. Mm -hmm. And we like to teach when you don't have synergy, you, you're roommates, you mm -hmm. coexist, but you have your money. He has his money. You do your thing. He does his thing. You, you don't have shared calendars. You don't have shared this, you know, your friends aren't the same there. You're just, all you do is live together, right? Yeah. That, that is no synergy whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Synergy to live in a place of synergy is when you are truly a well-oiled machine. You are thinking together, you're working together, you're supporting each other. You just, the world is at your back. You know, it's just, you know, the two of you working together. And, and when you do that, there's so much strength um, mm -hmm. because the Holy Spirit is truly in the middle of your union at that point, And he magnifies what you're able to do together. Yeah. And so it, so we call that um, one plus one equals uh 10. You're just, you're over the board, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so the, you can't sustain it long-term if you don't continue to work at it, you know? Mm -hmm. So synergy is truly removing that single-mindedness um, and replacing it with this team mentality, but not just any team, you and me, you know, I got you, babe, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's me and you against the world, you know, yeah. does that answer mm. your question? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I had saw that, you know, financial synergy on, in your materials. I'm like, Oh, I just want to know what that is. Yeah. But <laughs> And it's not I always it. easy. It really is. Yeah. Um, and so here's an example of what isn't financial synergy. Um, when we put all of our debt together my husband had over a hundred thousand dollars in interest on his student loans. Oof. Okay. He had deferred them over and over and over again, not mm -hmm. understanding that when you defer them, the interest doesn't stop. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, so the balance, the principal was like 40,000, but the interest was over a hundred thousand. Right. So when we were paying off our debt, we got through everything except for the student loans in about a year and a half. And then we had this massive amount of student loan debt that we needed to tackle. And I began to get a really nasty attitude about his student loans. His student loans were preventing us from having a vacation. His student loans 
were preventing us from buying or building a house. His student loans were keeping us from, you know, eating out more often. It was all because of his student loans. And so I, I started cold shouldering and, you know, not talking and all of those things. And finally, the Lord convicted me and he was like, you married those student loans. <laughs> they are not his student loans. They're your collective, your student loans. And that was a big moment of moving from no synergy to synergy for me, where yeah. I had to embrace the fact that this is, you know, both of us, we're in this together, you know, um, we see it a lot if one spouse has made a financial mistake or led the couple down a path that didn't work. Um, if you hold that over them, if you continue to be angry, if you remove your trust, if you don't allow them to be a part of those things again, that is not a synergistic situation. And I struggle with it. I'm just going to say, you know, oh, yeah. so, um, but calling it what it is, is the first step and recognizing that you've moved away from synergy is the first um, way to get yourself back towards having financial synergy with your spouse. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's a fantastic example of looking at it. Cause I think I think all, if I will be so bold, <laughs> of us in, in marriages have had a moment of frustration or anger and bitterness Absolutely. towards someone because of a financial decision yep. or debt or anything along those lines. So it's yep. convicting and humbling at the same time yep. in that. Yep. So well, we have to release yeah. them and release ourselves you know, so that we can, and I've been on both sides of it. I've been the one that has made the mistake and I've been the one that has to sit with the mistake. And I'm just going to say, Keith is much quicker to forgive me than I am to forgive him. And I, yeah. I have to work my way through it every single time. Truly, yeah. I do. Hmm. Well, I appreciate all of your authenticity in this and honesty and just real, like real talk of this is what it is and to yep. remove the shame and embarrassment Absolutely. and just have an honest conversation. And I feel like we could talk about this for a long, long time. And I know it. <laughs> our time is just wrapping up, but yep. just before we go, any final pieces of encouragement or something you want to say to either that married person, the individual person, you know, single person, you know, anything like that before we wrap up? Yes. Uh, two things. One, I, I want to be sure that I mentioned it earlier, but I didn't call it out. One of the ways that Keith and I avoid financial infidelity, we each have our own fun money. Mm -hmm. it's in the same account. So we don't have separate accounts. There's not an account with my name only or his name only, but we each give the, uh, put in the budget every month money for the other to do whatever they want to do with. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so there's no judgment, you know, you don't have to uh, clear the purchase with the other person is your money to spend however you want to. Um, and to that end, any purchase in our house that is over $50 is a discussion. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So you guys, wh- who, whatever that number is for you, you know, we've, we've just held on to that number from when we were getting out of debt. So um, that cuts down on financial infidelity because all of our purchases are discussed. There is transparency in everything. And then we each get our own money to spend any way we want to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, for the single person, I really wish I had an accountability partner as a single person. Um, when I was in my 20s, I actually had a board of directors for my life. And these were people that I trusted. These were people whose opinions I valued, but I did not have anyone that I discussed my money with. I never thought to talk about my money decisions with my board of directors. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge mistake. And so um, I meet so many single women and I, I say women, I'm going to say people, uh, so many single people who believe that because they're not married, they are limited in what they can do. And that's just mm-hmm. not so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe that when we choose to put ourselves in a system, regardless of who we are, we have the opportunity to do so much more and get so get so much more. Um, because it, there's a process associated with it. So that would that's what I would say to that single person is have an accountability person and put yourself into a financial system. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Those are great words to end with. So how can people get connected to you and your Yay. course and all your fantastic <laughs> material? Absolutely. Well, I created a 25% off discount for bridging the gap. So um, if you go to fightforyourmarriage.com at checkout, if you use bridging the gap, no spaces, um, you'll get 25% off through June 30th because mm. I, I want it you know, people to have time to save for it. Um, and that would be in 23, June 30th, 2023, because I know others are going to listen to this after yeah. that. <laughs> um, and then I have a list of resources. Um, so if you go to lisayjones.com slash bridging the gap, um, I put together a list of um, top blog posts and um, free tools um, that we um, give away to lots of people all the time. Uh, links to the book uh, will be in there as well. Um, and if you uh, are on Instagram, I'm on. I'm at Lisa Y Jones L Y J. That's the one I tend to use more than anything else. And I put. Uh, post out three, four times a week there. So fresh content there. And then um, in that um, resource guide, if you want to join the newsletters, um, you can just email me um, from there, uh, lisa at lisayjones.com and let me know that you want to uh, be a part of the newsletter. So yeah. Yay. Yay. And I just encourage everyone just take that next step, just a small Mm -hmm. baby step in starting to get into financial freedom. And even if you feel that you are, I'm financially set, you know, we don't really have a lot of debt. I feel comfortable. I don't think it ever hurts to just continue to stay involved in that community Mm -hmm. and aware because 
we live long lives. A lot can happen with our finances. So, (laughs) and you know, here's the thing. We are all either coming into a financial crisis in the middle of a financial financial crisis or going out of a financial crisis. So if your life is great right now, good for you, but just recognize every 10 years, something's happening, you know? So we need to be ready. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure to link. Absolutely. And we'll make sure to link to all of those in the show notes so people can grab that. But it has truly been such a pleasure and just eye-opening for me. I always learn a lot in these podcasts too, (laughs) for all of it. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bridging the Gap podcast. We are honored to hear from Lisa Jones on financial freedom in marriage. Find more resources on marriage and finance by going to lisayjones.com, where you can also get her book, Financial Seasons. Follow Lisa on Instagram at lisaYJones and check out a financial marriage course that she and her husband Keith do together at fightforyourmarriage.com. Lisa is also generously providing 25% off to purchase this financial marriage course now until June 30th, 2023. Simply go to fightforyourmarriage.com and use the code BRIDGEINTHEGAP, all one word, to get 25% off this course. Again, go to fightforyourmarriage.com and use the code BRIDGEINTHEGAP, all one word, to get 25% off. Learn more about Bridging the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridging the Gap app through your app store or by following MNBTG on social media. We also invite you to take a moment to rate and review this podcast to help others find this resource as well. Thank you for joining us today and we look forward to being with you next time on the Bridging the Gap podcast.